Welcome to this special recruiting bonus edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. I'm your host of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, Andrew Lyon, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. And I'm pleased to be joined by Lockdown's recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr., to get the latest insight on some big-time targets that are going to be in Columbia this Saturday for South Carolina Spring Game. John, thank you so much for coming on once again. Hope you've been doing well. I'm doing well, Andrew. Uh, again, another commitment. Every time we we come on, there's a new commit for South Carolina. So not as well as your fan base, but I, I'm doing well otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, of course, the commitment. And uh, why don't we go ahead and dive on into that? But regarding the impact, per se, of Josiah Thompson's commitment, which obviously is a huge one for Shane Beamer and this staff, one that they've been after for a very long time now. And it adds to what the fan base has been calling the Great Wall of Carolina, which is this group of prospects like Marquis Anderson, Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, and Blake Franks, and a group that could be the future for South Carolina's offensive line. But there's another prospect that has seemingly um, been a heavy target for South Carolina in David Sanders Jr. And he actually had a reaction to Josiah Thompson's commitment not long after um he had his announcement on Friday morning. And John, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that this talent being stacked up at the position could alter David Sanders Jr. thinking in a way where he decides, you know, maybe I should go join up with these guys at South Carolina and we could create something special here in Columbia? How could it not, right? I mean, if you're talking about the number one player in the country for 25, you, you got to have some competitor in you because the schools that are theoretically in it for David are are South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. You, you know the drill with these elite programs. So to consider those programs, you've got to be willing to compete. But when you see momentum at your position and building in the class ahead of you, it's got to refuel some of those competitive fires and, and celebrating Josiah's commitment, I think, is part of it. And he celebrated it with that tag, right? The Great Wall uh, of Carolina. So look, he's a Charlotte kid. He understands um, that that build and that's really where it's been so notable with South Carolina recruiting lately it's it's dipped into other areas you know it's going to be in Atlanta and go down to Florida and and this whatever's in the water with Carolina in, in DC but close to home South Carolina is doing an elite job not only head-to-head -head with Clemson but against all SEC and ACC suitors keeping now what is this the top three prospects in the state already yep. verbally committed. I mean, it, it's really fascinating to see all of that play out. So that is where it's another layer because, you know, Charlotte isn't in state, but it's as close as you can get. That's another layer of perceptional promise for South Carolina in that pursuit. So you, we keep talking about that Gamecock flag being planted and, and it's going further than the footprint, but it's it's very much emboldened. Uh, closer to home and that's where Sanders overlaps as a national recruit but one that happens to be right down the road so I think that plus the positional perception that has only increased I think throughout the trenches at South Carolina over the last year or so but especially of course along the offensive front with what they're building here in, in this 24 class. Right, and of course, the state of North Carolina, it's a state that South Carolina has not done quite well in for the last few years because, of course, of Mac Brown's presence there and NC State emerging as a decent team in the ACC Conference. The Gamecocks, of course, looking to get back into 
the state of North Carolina, and David Sanders Jr. would be a massive way to do just that. But of course, his commitment will be coming a long way down the road, but the Gamecocks got some big-time 2024 targets that are going to be here on campus for their spring game, and the biggest one name-wise by far is Dylan Stewart. Now, John, we've talked about Dylan Stewart and his recruitment a lot recently on the show, so I want to sort of take this a different direction on today's show and ask you about what do you think South Carolina needs to show Dylan Stewart? He knows the staff loves him. He knows he's got great relationships. But is there anything else maybe on the field or maybe with the atmosphere that you think he's going to be looking for that could, again, help separate South Carolina maybe from some of these other contenders in his recruitment? Yeah, that's a great question, Andrew. Look, South Carolina is the campus he's most familiar with. We know at least two more trips are ahead. Spring game, official visit there in the month of June as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's about the intricacies at this point, at least from South Carolina's perspective. Like you said, a lot of boxes are checked, uh, the fans, the energy, the coaches, the campus, even I would imagine by this point, some of the academic elements of, of the South Carolina presentation. But the intricacies of what his specific Dylan Stewart role would be at South Carolina, that to me is is what you sell. So if you talk to Dylan afterwards, that's really where you go. Hey, where did they talk to you about your on-field role and how specific did they go there? Do you watch tape? Did they show you another recruit that's, hey, we think you can do this, maybe even do it better than player X that's on the current roster or maybe a previous roster? And when you go for a spring game in particular, Andrew, you can really latch on to that kind of stuff because it's not it's not as serious and structured as as a game in the fall, a real game uh, that right. would go down, but you know between South Carolina and Kentucky or whoever. So you have more time to involve the recruits and that projection within the process from the coach's perspective, and then of course during and after you can reiterate and reemphasize a lot of those same points. So I think this is visit what six or seven or eight for for Stewart in Columbia. So yeah, there's nothing you're going to physically show him that is outside of football that will be new to him. So I think digging into the specific roles that you want him to play, maybe tools to add to his his pass rushing uh, bag or whatever it is, those are the elements now where I think you could start to separate. And the spring game setting from a coaching perspective just enables an upped level of emphasis. It's, it's the most hyped, if you will, this thing is going to get until – we get to August, right? So this is sort of that last impression in that regard. So to have him there to experience it from the coach's perspective, I think is going to be fascinating. And that's the layer that he's got to add to it from the South Carolina angle. And, and I'm sure he will. Shaver mentioned earlier this week that he loves the fact the spring game is at 7 p.m., that it's at nighttime because it means that he and the staff are going to get to spend a lot of time with these recruits before the game starts. And obviously probably even during halftime, because obviously they're not going to be running anything special on offense or defense. So again, uh, Dylan Stewart, you know, maybe watch what the edge position does and uh, maybe the lack of depth there as well, because the Gamecocks certainly need some help there at that spot at this very moment. John Garcia Jr. and I are going to dive into a couple more prospects that the Gamecocks are going to be hosting in just a couple moments. But before we get into that, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking to make healthier choices for your snack stash that you have, but you don't want to compromise the taste in those snacks, then you got to try Built Bar and Built Puffs 
today. There's multiple reasons why. Built Bar is covered in 100% real dark chocolate. It comes in multiple flavors. If you like coconut, Built Bar's got it. If you like banana cream pie, Built Bar's got it. Caramel brownie, Built Bar's got it. They got anything you could possibly imagine. They're only 130 calories. They're jam-packed with 17 grams of protein, and they only have 4 grams of sugar included. And the other thing is this. You no longer have to order these bars online and wait 4 or 5 days for it to be delivered. You can grab a 4-bar box at Walmart in the pharmacy section, or if you want to get more than 4 Built Bars, you can go to Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box. Built Bar is where Tasty is the new healthy. Continuing our conversation here with Locked On's recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr. John, let's stick with the edge position because there's another notable name. And honestly, if it's his true name, which I believe it is, it's one of the best names on the entire trail in King Joseph Edwards, a Georgia native that took a visit to South Carolina earlier during the spring period. And he seemed to really enjoy his time in Columbia. He also is a guy that is not afraid to interact with fans on Twitter, which makes him a little bit more unique compared to a lot of these other prospects. And this will be his third visit to Columbia on Saturday. Now, obviously, Georgia's gotten around a dozen, I believe, when I checked this before we went on the show here. So uh, clearly the Bulldogs might be a big favorite here. But do you think that the Gamecocks, with this spring game visit, have an opportunity to maybe make some ground up and get themselves a shot here in this recruitment with King Joseph Edwards? I do, because he, while well-traveled, he's not in the Dylan Stewart tier of frequency there in Columbia just I think a couple of visits to date at this point so a return trip there unlike what we said about Stewart is still going to be very informative for King Joseph relative to Georgia and some other schools that he's been to just a little bit more so naturally it's simple sometimes when you talk about gaining ground this is where the, the conversation has to sort of shift and I think there have been some successful visits already this spring for Edwards there at South Carolina, a big shocker. He loved the energy at practice. He said it was incredibly hyped up. Uh, he's a great one-on-one performer. So naturally he latched on to South Carolina, putting on some one-on-ones there um, in front of him. And and I do think Sterling Lucas, who's building a perception here as, as a, a sneaky, good young recruiter is starting to make some headway here. And, and King Joseph is very open and honest, as you mentioned with fans, with reporters, with everyone involved, in and around his recruitment and he's starting to talk up South Carolina just a little bit more. So now two trips in what a three week span, I think adds a layer to that conversation. And now you, you can expand that perception of the program. So he's already watched practice. Uh, he's already been to campus on, on kind of the, the normal end. Now you could double down and dip into some of those extra areas uh, to impress him just a little bit more. Uh, and look, logistically Atlanta's that surrounding area has always been important for South Carolina. So even though we've emphasized the, the whatever's in the water in DC and of course the, the local and semi-local angle, Atlanta is still going to be the primary pipeline from a volume standpoint. So I do think uh, remaining uh, active there is important. And, and you mentioned it earlier, there's a huge need for South Carolina with pass rushers. Uh, and we, we saw them attack it at the end of last cycle. And certainly uh, in the mid stretch of this 24 cycle, it's a big priority and there's just not many better 
than Edwards that are out there. So when when, when George is involved in the favorite and in state, it, it creates two things. One, obviously, an expectation that hey, if Georgia will have him, he's going to end up there. But on the other end of it, there's only so many spots. So you have to continue to contend with those programs. And we've seen South Carolina be one of the few that can go head-to-head with the Bulldogs and, and create some inroads and make this thing interesting. So there's a lot of time left, in theory, with this Edwards recruitment. So really big for him to get more, quote-unquote, you know, live action at a spring game setting there with South Carolina. Uh, and maybe rub elbows with Stewart, who is more familiar with the Gamecocks. I think that could be somewhat interesting for both parties relative to the other. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and of course, you know, for South Carolina fans, if worst case scenario happens, if Dylan Stork does end up going to say in Ohio state or maybe somewhere else, King Joseph Edwards, I mean, it, you're not falling off very much in terms of talent with what King Joseph Edwards possesses. So certainly important for the Gamecocks to continue to try to build that relationship with the Atlanta native. Now, let's go back, John, to the offensive side of the ball with wide receiver Micah Gilbert. Now, Micah admittedly might not have as much notoriety as the guys we've already talked about on the show, but he is an important target for South Carolina at a position of need for the 2024 class. The Gamecocks obviously have already snapped a commitment from Mazio Bennett. They're heavily in the game for Jonathan Paler, Zion Reagans also, and even Parker Livingston, wide receiver all the way out in Texas, who released them in his top five the other day. But Gilbert offers something that most of those guys don't, and that's size. Being listed at six foot two, 205 pounds, he's made a few visits to Columbia, including one back on March the 14th. So, John, overall, where do you sort of see this recruitment heading? Do you think that maybe North Carolina is a strong player here, or do you think that right now it seems like he's South Carolina's to lose unless something drastically changes? Yeah, I think it goes back and forth between those two, right? You talk about South Carolina emerging into the state of North Carolina. Again, the Charlotte Metro is where that pursuit will begin. So he's a Charlotte Christian kid. He falls right in line there. Uh, and I think compared to North Carolina, there's some variance, you know, compared to these two offers. St- staff turnover there at UNC uh, it makes you makes you curious relative to their continued prowess on the offensive side of the ball after after losing phil longo um so that will be fascinating to see from an up and down standpoint and i think a program that could take advantage is is quite literally south carolina right right uh, down the road here even closer of a trek uh for for gilbert to columbia than than going over to chapel hill so mm-hmm. all of those things do factor in as you said he's taken multiple trips he's got this top seven that's kind of all over the map notre dame is in there a bunch of schools are, are making a play here west virginia i think is 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 kind of interesting he's got some family ties to to that old big east west virginia pit i think he's related to darrell revis even so i think it could be interesting if he goes in that direction but i think all things even he'll stay close to their home and yeah this could profile as a sort of a classic carolina versus carolina battle between these two programs unc did get him back on campus recently and and he's talking really high on the tar heels right now but we know south carolina's right there so i think maybe the more interesting element of this Andrew, is how high on that board does Gilbert lie? As you mentioned, there's there's already one big-time commitment in with, with MJ Bennett and a bunch of other guys that we know South Carolina is sky high on, uh, and it overlaps with other big programs, of course, as well. But where does Gilbert sit in that in that spectrum, on that board? If he's, right. if he's higher on there than maybe we're realizing, then yeah, I think South Carolina is going to make a major play here. If he's not, 
I think it could tilt the other way and he could stay mm-hmm. in state there with the Tar Heels. So uh, I think there is still some time to go in this recruitment. And we all know the board can also shift. So when he gets to Columbia and sits down with these coaches, maybe that could push him one way or the other and, and take another step uh, towards a decision with, with this recruitment. So this one, I think, is going to come down to the wire between these two programs, most likely. But I'm also curious, just where does he sit? for South Carolina because they do have great options at the position and many of those guys aren't as big as Gilbert although Livingston is he's another 6263 guy uh so it, between those two in particular i think it'll be fascinating both big both physical both productive and pretty polished on top of it so uh, how South Carolina views those two might be the simplest way to to answer these questions so it'll be interesting to see with another visit under his belt how that that potentially changes Right, and with Micah Gilbert, you certainly can't count out Mac Brown. Obviously, he is 71 years old. He is in the twilight of his career, but again, Mac Brown, he knows his way around the living room when it comes to talking to these kids and their parents. So, certainly one to watch for South Carolina moving forward. All right, getting into the final part of our conversation here with Lockdown's recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr. John, really appreciate you coming on to today's show once again. Let's go to the JUCO ranks, an area that we have not really delved into too often in our shows together. But there's an interesting prospect that's going to be here on campus on Saturday in Trajan Bridges. Now, Bridges was a massive prospect in the 2019 recruiting class. I don't recall that recruitment quite as much as you probably do, but obviously, you know, seemed like he was a big-time prospect, went to Oklahoma, has some ties to Shane Beamer and Spencer Rattler, unfortunately got into some legal troubles over there, had to go into the JUCO ranks, and again, mentioned it earlier, South Carolina needs some help at certain spots. Wide receivers, definitely one of them, with Juice Wells likely gone after this season, and plenty of other seniors walking out the door behind him. So, what do you sort of see with Trajan Bridges? Is this a slam dunk, or are there maybe some other teams to watch here for Trajan? Well, look, he, he's got the ties. You mentioned them. If 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 there are character concerns, and obviously this is going to come up now and, and forever, unfortunately, for, for mm-hmm. Trajan, if there are character concerns, who better to vet that than somebody who recruited him on the front end and coached him on on the collegiate end when all of this went down uh so and that's that's what beamer has to his credit so if he who was closer to it is willing to give bridges another chance then i think others will will lean that way there as well not excusing what went down in any respect i don't want to make it come off that way but look young young folks make mistakes and how you handle it thereafter says a lot about you uh compared to to the person uh that we're talking about here as well so I do think if Beamer is willing, uh, that's probably a good sign for what his experience is with Bridges. And of course, look, on the field, this isn't a talent question, right? I mean, this was a five-star receiver. It was Oklahoma, like Bama, Texas, Ohio State. And when he picked OU, I know right now the the school du jour for elite receivers is Ohio State, and this run that they've been on is crazy in recruiting. Before that one, Oklahoma kind of held that that torch, if you will, from, from just elite recruit after elite recruit, especially at receiver, especially from the state of Texas, picking the Sooners. So he was one of those elite guys to, to join that front. So it's never really been a talent question. Six two, six three, 190 pounds, big, polished, uh, elite catch radius, great ball skills, enough long speed to keep you honest. He's been productive at the junior college level. This isn't a talent question it's more of who's willing to take a chance and South Carolina 
is clearly one of those programs he visited, I think, in March. So now this is a return trip. So clearly interest here. Utah is going to host him for a, a visit. Um, they're going to be involved here, uh, Kyle Whittingham and company. So you understand that's a legitimate contender, Pac-12 champion the last couple years that's involved. So you understand that's a true threat. Uh, but there haven't been a lot of other programs publicly recruiting Bridges. So if it's a narrow list and he is, I'm sure, ready to get this thing behind him, I do think South Carolina's got some slam dunk in here because not only does it project well from a marketability standpoint in the SEC with a program that's clearly on the rise, but those personal ties to, to Beamer, to Rattler, uh, it does hit a little bit different when that's the group, to me, that's taking another chance on you. I think there's going to be some credence there, uh, especially with a return visit, tangibly now. South Carolina is, is hosting him more frequently than others, and that's always important leading up to a decision, especially for junior college players that oftentimes don't take the time that high school recruits take in the process. It's kind of like the portal, right? Guys take a couple visits, and they're kind of done. They're kind of ready to go with a pick. So I do think that the timing is building up quite well for South Carolina if they're willing to take bridges. And, and clearly with two visits and that familiarity, it does look like they're willing to take another chance here. Right. And of course, giving Bridges the benefit of the doubt that obviously he has moved past everything that has happened since his time in Oklahoma. Uh, you can only imagine the chip on his shoulder he would possibly have. And especially if he got an opportunity with Spencer Rattler, team up with him once again. And, you know, Shane Beamer, people call him corny, but the man, he relates to his players better than probably most coaches in college football right now. So uh, Bridges, it could be the perfect marriage between him and South Carolina. It's all going to depend on, as John mentioned, whether or not of course, that ends up happening at the end of the day. He is Locked On's recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr. John, thank you so much once again for coming on to today's show. Again, for all of you who are everydayers on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, I will have a reaction show to South Carolina Spring Game that will come out sometime early Sunday afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, we'll be going on with our regularly scheduled programming starting back up again on Monday. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And be safe if you're going to the spring game. I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.